pumpkin spice is already here. It arrived on Tuesday, but the high temperature in Atlanta is still nearly 90 degrees, so I will not be partaking in that just yet. Today, by the way, is Friday, August 28th, and it is the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington, where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his I Had a Dream speech. Hi and hello! You found the podcast for moms who don't have time for podcasts. You can think of me as your internet bestie as we share recommendations, laugh about the ridiculous things we see online, and cheer each other on. I'm Indiana Adams, and today, by the way, is the short and sweet podcast that hopefully brightens your day. I am so glad you're here. Last night, as I was uploading the episode, my internet went down. Like, all the way down. I couldn't even tether from the phone. I waited until 1.30 a.m. and finally just called it and went to bed, endeavoring to upload it in the morning. It was a silly episode about the history of a certain condiment, but I woke up this morning convinced that I needed to use today to say something. And my condiment episode can be saved for another day. Today is too historic of a day for me to just not address what's going on in the world. I have said many times and even very recently what this show is and what it is not. It is a conversation among friends. It is not a show where I try to persuade anyone to do what I do or think like I think. We are a wonderfully creative group of women that span different political and faith pathways. And heck, not even all of us are American. But here's the thing. If you know me in real life, you will know that I am action-oriented. When 9-11 happened, I mobilized a campus-wide prayer circle and a blood drive. We thought there would be far more survivors than there were. When my Christian college put out their PR kit with the new slogan, You Belong Here, and didn't include one person of color or one person who wasn't built like a model— My roommate and I took it straight to the top and requested a meeting with the university president and told him that we needed to do better. When my high school started having really big social conflicts between cliques, I lobbied that we needed to have a second student representation body outside of the popular kids elected to student council to act as an advisory board for Campus Harmony, and it was created. You know that girl in Mean Girls at the end? I just wish we could all get along like we used to in middle school. I wish that I could bake a cake made out of rainbows and smiles and we'd all eat and be happy. She doesn't even go here. Do you even go to this school? No. I just have a lot of feelings. Yeah, that girl. Yes. That is totally me. I just want everyone to get along. I have been known to moonwalk out of a room when the conversation turns to politics. I don't really watch professional sports or talent shows on TV because I think everyone at that level is doing great. So maybe this explains why I've been so reluctant to circle back and address the hard and inhumane issues surrounding race that our country is facing leading up to this presidential election. And I know now that being able to be apolitical or to just exit a room when I feel uncomfortable is a big position of privilege. But please know that locally, 
I'm involved. I helped stage a protest when construction was starting on a new tennis complex and was passed under some super shady circumstances. That before I had kids, I worked the polls on election day. That I do think local politics is hugely important. I'm basically Leslie Nope with Tom Haverford's zeal and style. Since nine last night, I have written four different versions of a show that I could put out today. I, I think I got to overthinking it when my friend Katie McCauley, who is someone that I really respect for her thoughtfulness, she did an Instagram story this week basically calling out evangelical Christians for making feel-good social media statements about wanting more Jesus but less hate in the world. She called for people to say nothing at all or to be clear about denouncing Trump if that is their intention. My knee-jerk reaction wasn't great. My knee-jerk reaction that I wrote to her in an embarrassingly lengthy DM was that I think it's unnecessary to expect celebrities and influencers and public figures and authors to point-blank endorse or denounce a, a candidate. I think in my heart of hearts, two things. One, it should not matter who your favorite writer is voting for, but I hold that in contention with, two, the fact that for many people, it does matter. You want the authors and podcasters and celebrities that you admire, many of whom you see a little of yourself in, you want them to be aligned with you or to guide you with more insight into an area where, frankly, it's pretty nebulous and sometimes really dark. And I think a lot of people, not just celebrities or content creators, I think a lot of us just don't want to rock the boat. Not because we don't want to pay the price of loss of followers or broken friendships, but, but more so because we were created to live in community. We each long to belong. And politics these days is very much pick a side and build a wall. Not... <laughs> Not in the border sense. I should have chosen a better analogy, but rather in politics these days, we can't seem to allow anyone in our networks to have a different point of view because we are so ardently convinced that the side that we've chosen is the right side. And we've separated ourselves from anyone who believes differently. And now we can't even see what the other side believes, let alone meet in the middle. But what if... What if, and I'm talking to the Christians here, what if we just agree that most politicians on the national stage go against what Jesus stood for? What if we acknowledge that government exists, but it's always going to be imperfect because we're trying to govern imperfect people in an imperfect world by electing imperfect people through a vote cast by other imperfect people who are convinced that they are right and everyone else is wrong? I mean, it's a mess, right? Katie wrote that being a person of justice and peace will cost you. And I agree with this. But if you're looking to me to tell you who to vote for, I'm not going to do that. My hope is that you're stirred to action, that you have face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom conversations with people to suss all this out, that you vote and find, yes, take a stand on social media if you want to. But more than that, My hope is that you raise your babies to love others regardless of their skin color and regardless of who they vote for. That we donate to organizations that are dedicated to fighting for equality. That we amplify marginalized voices. That we support businesses that do good locally. 
that we work hard to understand other people's point of view, especially if that is radically different than our own. I mean, isn't it so interesting to ask someone else, Walk me through how you came to believe what you believe so passionately. I'd love to understand that. I mean, you can listen and think a hundred times while they're talking that they're wrong, but I think in the end, you'll be able to step away from conversations like that and you can say, I do not agree with her at all on that, but I can now see how she got there. Obviously, I'm just talking about politics here. If we are talking about a person who thinks that Taylor Swift is untalented or a person who hates all cheese, clearly we're talking to a lunatic and no reason they give is going to make sense. So yeah, just move on. (laughs) We're going to pause right here to spotlight today's sponsor. I have been using PrepDish for three years now, and now that I'm back to a gluten-free, high-protein way of eating, I am so thankful that I'm not spending hours culling recipes and shopping lists from all over the internet trying to make a kid-friendly keto meal for my whole family. PrepDish is my kitchen VIP. PrepDish is a healthy meal planning service that offers a variety of options, including dairy-free, paleo, gluten-free, and keto menus, which is what we do. They email you the entire week's grocery list, which you can print or save to your phone, and then it's one trip to the grocery store or one session putting in your order at your favorite curbside pickup or grocery delivery service, and then you're set for the week. Along with the shopping list are detailed instructions so you can prep all of that week's meals in one go. This is now our family's Monday after breakfast tradition. We turn on the tunes and we get to prepping together. I'd love for you to see how easy PrepDish is too. Visit PrepDish.com slash today to try it for two weeks completely free. That's PrepDish.com slash today. Hit me up if you take advantage of that free trial. I would love to know what dishes you're prepping. Okay, now back to the show. As I mentioned up top, today is the anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, also known as the March on Washington. It was held in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, August 28, 1963. The purpose of the march was to advocate for the civil and economic rights of African Americans. At the march, Martin Luther King Jr., standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial, delivered his historic I Have a Dream speech in which he called for an end to racism, which is probably the most famous speech delivered in the last 100 years. The march is credited for helping to pass the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which outlaws discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. It prohibits unequal application of voter registration requirements and racial segregation in schools, employment, and public accommodations. Last year, Jude chose MLK for his big report. He got to read a biography or two, and he made a little MLK out of a Pringles can, and he did a presentation about MLK for his class. But I knew I had failed him as his primary educator when last year, when we were making signs for the George Floyd March, Jude said, you know, I really thought that MLK helped end racism. And in that moment, That's when I realized that he was living a radically different childhood than that of my neighbor's son next door, who is black, and that I needed to do a better job at showing my kids that racism is still something that they have to fight against, that we have to fight against. 
The conversation is still ongoing. We talk about current events with our kids and we pray for all things to be made new and right and for the boldness and opportunity to be able to help things be made new and right right now. I would have loved to play a portion of MLK's I Have a Dream speech for you guys, but I don't know if you know this, but the recording is copyrighted until 2038, meaning it can't be broadcast without the family's written permission and possibly a licensing fee being paid. But that's okay. Today, to honor this historic day and the 2020 March on Washington, I have three things, three other things besides this copyright thing, that I have learned about the speech to share. First, Martin Luther King Jr. was the 10th speaker to take the podium that day. Organizers hoped that the march would draw a crowd of at least 100,000 people, but more than twice as many showed up. Some people estimate that there were 300,000 people there. There at the Lincoln Memorial, 10 civil rights activists were scheduled to give speeches to be punctuated by hymns, prayers, pledges, benedictions, and choir performances. The list of orators also included labor icon A. Philip Randolph and the then 23-year-old John Lewis, who was at that time the national chairman of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, one of the big six leaders of groups who organized the march, who just last month passed away. I've linked his posthumous essay that was published in the New York Times and is truly one of the most inspirational essays that I have read in years. Okay, second fact, number two. The phrase, I have a dream, wasn't in MLK's prepared speech originally. My mind is blown. On the eve of this big speech, MLK solicited last-minute input from union organizers, religious leaders, and other activists while hanging out in the lobby of Washington, D.C.'s Williard Hotel. But when he finally faced the crowd at the Lincoln Memorial, he went off book. At first, King more or less stuck to his notes, reciting the final written version of his address, but then a voice rang out behind him. Seated nearby was the gospel singer Mahalia Jackson, who yelled, Tell him about the dream, Martin! Earlier in his career, MLK had spoken at length about his dreams of racial harmony. By mid-1963, he had used the phrase, I have a dream, so often that his inner circle of friends and advisors worried that it was making him sound repetitive. Mahalia clearly did not agree. At her urging, MLK put down his notes and delivered the words that still inspire us today. So what I'm saying is, basically this famous speech was improvised. Okay, third new fact for me. A basketball hall of famer owns the original copy of the I Have a Dream speech. George Raveling, who is an African-American athlete and Washington, D.C. native, played college basketball for Villanova from 1956 to 1960. Three years after his graduation, he attended the March on Washington. He wasn't originally planning to attend the march because he was in Philadelphia, but a friend's dad said it was important to get there, so he loaned them a car and some cash for the trip. The night before the speech, George and his friend were spotted by some of the event's organizers, and because of their, you know, large athletic basketball builds, they were asked if they wanted to serve as volunteer security guards. They said yes, and that's why George was near MLK as he finished his speech. George, who later in life went to coach at Washington State, Iowa, and Southern Cal, explained how he came to own the original speech. He said, As soon as he finished, the place went wild. I saw he had folded it up, and I said, Dr. King, can I have that speech? He turned to hand it to me and appeared as if he was going to say something when a rabbi on the other side came up and congratulated him on what a wonderful speech it was, and that was the end of it. 
George says that the speech remains in a safe deposit box, that the FBI has verified King's fingerprints on it, and that he has been offered more than $3 million for it. But he says he has no intention of letting it go and will probably leave it to his children. He says that at least once a year, someone approaches him with an offer, but he lets them know that he has no interest in selling it. This is incredible. I know that MLK's dream is still being realized. We're still working toward it, and it's a slow and heavy and hard process. I loved what John Lewis called us to do in response. In that final essay, he ended with this. When historians pick up their pens to write about the 21st century, let them say that it was your generation who laid down the heavy burdens of hate at last, and that peace finally triumphed over violence, aggression, and war. So I say to you, walk with the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide. Okay, friend, that's it for today. There are some links in the show notes at todaybytheway.com slash episodes. And as always, the conversation continues in our private Facebook group called My Internet Besties. You guys blew it up when we were talking about magic and anti-magic. It's so great. If you haven't clicked over, please click over and join us. On Wednesday, I dropped a community episode straight to your inbox where the besties called in to share what's the best thing they've worn and how did it make them feel. You can get that in the show notes too if you're not signed up. Our next community prompt is tell us about a teacher you still remember. You can leave that in a voicemail on our Instagram account at Today By The Way. Just start with your first name and where you're from to be included in our next subscribers only episode. Our Today By The Way challenge is a hard one. It's to make one move to de-ice a bridge that's grown cold. Maybe the pandemic and social distancing has caused you to fall out of touch with a casual friend. Or maybe the political climate has caused you to be iced out. This week, send a friend a text with no expectation to try to reconnect. We'll talk more about this on Monday. It's an important day today, and I'm really glad I didn't use it to talk about ketchup. Today is a new day, and friend, I am cheering you on.